Hello and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis, and today's guest is Denise Mahoney. Denise is the Manager, Cemeteries and Operational Services, and Program Manager for Cemetery Legislation Compliance for the City of Mississauga, Ontario. She has over 20 years experience managing municipal cemeteries and the promotion of heritage resources connected to cemeteries and cenotaphs. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dale. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you for coming in on your vacation and talking about cemeteries. <laughs> <laughs> See, this, this is what happens when people make the mistake of emailing me and saying they're doing something interesting. I, I, I rope them into being on the show. Oh, it's never worked talking about cemeteries. Oh, well, I, Always I, a pleasure. I feel like we're kindred spirits already then. Mm-hmm. So now you grew up in, in Kilbride. In Kilbride, yeah. yeah. And your family, you were saying, is from the Northern Peninsula. Yeah, both my parents are uh, from Conch on the Northern Peninsula, and uh, so uh, both sets of uh, parents and bo- all the relatives are from Conch. Uh, my grandmother grew up on Fishhead Island, so uh, a and lot of her relatives were from Fish- Fishhead Island. And you were just telling me you had this adventure uh, just recently I that you... I did, <laughs> yes. I've been doing genealogy for fo- over 40 years, Yeah. Um, and uh, one of my goals was to get to Fishhead Island. Um, since, uh, as I said, my grandmother grew up there, and uh, my mother taught school on Fishhead Island uh, in the late 40s. So I had always wanted to go, but all the summers I went to Conch, never got a chance to go, and it was always too windy, too rough, that sort of thing. And this time, last week, we went. Uh, it was rough. It was really rough. Um, but it was amazing. It was amazing to see uh, the island. Uh, it's an abandoned island. Uh, the community, I think, was the late 60s, 70s, yeah, moved it was out of there. Out, yeah. And uh, the, uh, one of the things I wanted to see, of course, was the cemetery and the headstones and uh, record those and take pictures, which I did. Um, but it was, for me, it was that emotional connection. Yeah. When I stepped on the island, it was, I, I thought to myself, uh, my grandmother was a really strong woman, and uh, I knew then, like, what a hard life. The only way out of there was a small boat, and I thought, what uh, a hard life that would have been, and now I know why. They were also strong Yeah. from that area. And you tracked down the, the headstone of a, of a relative that, uh, you, I did. that you didn't have information about. Um, uh, yes, one of my great-great-grandparents, um, he was married three times, and one of these wives we could not find uh, a death record for, or, uh, and I've scoured the room's archives and everything else online, and uh, we found her headstone, and her date was right there. So I guess her record was lost in time, but at least we have that now. And uh, leaving Fishhead Island, though, was uh, a bit of um, an experience. Yes. Um, the wind was um, blowing out of the southwest, and it was at our back going down, so it was kind of bumpy. Uh, coming out of Fishhead Island, it was facing us. So I felt like one of those uh, toy boats on, <laughs> on the water, and uh, there was uh, a few prayers said on that boat and that ride. But we stopped in... Uh, little communities along the way. Uh, we went across to Harberty Vu, which is a small community, no roads. Uh, right now there's uh, um, about five to ten cabins there, and uh, the schoolhouse my mother had taught on Fishhead Island was towed over there, so I got to take pictures oh, and great. go inside of it, yeah. another connection. 
And there was a gentleman there and his wife. There was only two people there. And he turned out to be a relative. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Newfoundland. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> well, that's great. That's that sounds like an adventure, and that's a that's a an island that I have never I've never been to. And I've been to I've been to Conch a couple times, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. never out there. That'd be oh, it's a amazing, great trip. amazing. Yeah. There's just one house standing. Yeah. Um, and I think I've seen that house on a number of pictures. When people do books and pictures, they have a picture of that house, and it's very eerie to. You know, you're standing in the doorway and you, the wind is blowing through the open windows. And yeah, it'd make a great, uh, a night out on Fisher <laughs> Island would be a great thing. So now I, I'm very curious about how you ended up being in charge of cemetery stuff and, and, and how you got interested or involved with heritage work uh, up along. Um, I guess I've always been interested in heritage work. Um, when I was younger, I would go to Conch in the summers. And I would stay with one of my relatives. And uh, I was about 10, and my mom took me to the cemetery in Conch, because, of course, most of the relatives are buried there. And she would point out headstones and tell me stories about the people. So right away, for me, a cemetery was, it was filled with stories. It wasn't a place to be scared of or ghost stories. It was... It was like uh, an outdoor museum, yep. just with all this historical information. And uh, that carried with me. And when I went to Mississauga, I had no intentions of you know, applying for heritage or anything like that. And a uh, position came open uh, for a heritage coordinator. And uh, I applied. My background, I had some hi- historical background in history. And um, I applied, not thinking I would get it. There was... Uh, a few people that um, I was in competition with that had more experience and more education from a heritage point of view. And uh, my former boss told me that he said it was the passion that came out. You, you know, you wanted this. And I said, I did. I did. Um, and that was mostly dealing with buildings. Yeah. So we were dealing with properties, buildings, that sort of thing. And, and so how many years have you been working for the, for the city? 32 years. 32 years. Yeah. Yes. So w- during that uh, stint as Heritage Coordinator, uh, we got a request to designate a cemetery, designated for its historical value. All of our cemeteries are designated. And uh, so it was up to me to do the research, write a report for council, that sort of thing. And uh, I, as I was going around, I thought, oh, like these are in awful shape. Some of them weren't cut, some of them weren't standing up. And uh, I said to the guy that looked after the cemeteries, you know, you should be doing this, should be doing that. You know, us heritage people, we have all kinds of uh, great advice for <laughs> other people. And he said, well, if you think this is so easy, you do it. And I said, fine. That's it. And then I took on all the cemeteries and I became the cemetery manager. Uh, It probably wouldn't happen like that today. (laughs) (laughs) A different story uh, over 20 years ago, but uh, I took them all on. And uh, since then, they're all designated for their historical value. And and how many cemeteries uh, fall under your jurisdiction? We have 10. Okay. Uh, Four are active cemeteries, which means we actively do burials, uh, we actively sell lots, um, and then the other six are small pioneer cemeteries. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. what that was the next question I was going to ask. Is 
you know, what is the makeup of these of these cemeteries? Are, some of them are, are fairly small? Yes. Uh, yes. yes. Okay. So Streetsville Public Cemetery is our biggest one, and that's over six acres, so that's the largest. Um, it's also our most active, where people are still doing burials or still buying lots, that sort of thing. Um, our smallest is about um, an acre, and that's actually one of the oldest cemeteries in Peel. Um, it was started in 1809, and it has a little Union Chapel oh, on okay. site, so yep. that's one of the oldest. But it is also still active, and uh, people hold uh, interment rights for that cemetery. Uh, in Mississauga, or in Ontario, I should say, we have a Funeral, Burial, and Cremation Services Act. Um, under that act, once a cemetery becomes abandoned, it becomes the responsibility of the municipality. So that's how we get them. The municipalities in Ontario own over 60% of cemeteries. So it's yeah. a bit different from how it works and here. You, you told me something uh, astonishing about the city of Hamilton and the number of cemeteries that, that they have under their jurisdiction. Yes, the, cemetery, uh, the city of Hamilton has, I think, over 160, all these little cemeteries. And it was when the Hamilton amalgamated with all the little communities around. So yeah. they got all those. And, you know, they're all these little tiny tiny cemeteries some with just a minimum of 10 stones and as usual when you get a cemetery um, there's usually no mapping right no records and nothing you know to indicate only the headstones that are there yeah and we see that a lot in in the, the smaller cemeteries in Newfoundland um, that until recently there was not a lot of documentation that sometimes the local parish council might have a burial records or and sometimes they didn't or sometimes those records were lost you know a lot of churches burned uh, throughout the years and the and the burial records disappeared you know so sometimes we just don't know even for the general protestant cemetery here in st john's um the general manager there was saying that before 1970 they really don't have good records and that cemetery goes back to the 1840s you know so right Hundreds, thousands of uh, uh, records are missing for that. I call that the Great Church Fire <laughs> because every time we get a cemetery, we go to a cemetery. They say, "Oh, there was a fire yes. in the church." Like so, this is the big church fire. Um, yeah, it is uh, for us because when we get the cemeteries, they're active. So people will come and they say, "Well, we have we call them interment rights, the right to be buried there." And uh, we have no idea. Oh no, you know, there's, and they have no idea either. They're somewhat familiar with the cemetery and they think it's in this lot, but it could be over here mm -hmm. because the names, you know, are all the same. So um, that became an issue. When we get a cemetery, right away we start the mapping. Um, the first thing we do is record all the stones and then we do all the measurements. Uh, we do ground penetration radar. And that gives us an idea where the burials are. Not the who, of course, but where they are so that we know in a family lot what that size is gonna be. Whether it's a 16 grave lot, an eight grave lot. So if someone like Dale Jarvis comes and says, I have interment rights for here, I can safely say to him, there's already eight people right. in here. Yeah. Um, so you can't, or this is the vacant spot where you can go. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the, the mapping, um, because that's something that I think we could be doing a lot more of. Uh, what's, what's involved in mapping a cemetery? 
How do you how do you do it? So when we started, as I said, we start with the stones. So we just go and walk and map it out. Um, and then we start with, and then we do a GPR, and we know what sizes those lots are. So one little stone, it may only have two names on it, but that could be in the middle of an acreage lot. So we know, okay, there's eight people buried in here. So we go with that. And then we start the research. Um, and that's where I love because I love doing research and I love doing the families and connecting them all together. We start that research on that family and I will start digging up, no pun intended, not literally, um, uh, burial records. From In Ontario they have the long form burial records, much easier. They give lots of information about next to kin, where they lived. Uh, I'll go through all the census records and I'll start putting families together and then I'll know, okay, this is this one and this one and who's buried where. Yeah. And we'll make sure we get that all on the map. Yeah. The map may not look the same once we get to the end. What we do in the beginning is with stones and nice squares and you think, oh, it, wouldn't this be lovely if this cemetery was all mapped out <laughs> in these nice little squares with families, but it, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Yeah. And then, so do you have a database then that, that has all the, the headstone information and the, the burial records linked? Or? We have a database and everything is in there. All the interments, all the headstones. Uh, we've taken pictures of all the headstones. Uh, we have all the inscriptions copied in there. So if a headstone gets damaged or uh, it disappears or it starts to fade, we know exactly what was on that. Um, we have all the family information. Uh, sometimes when somebody wants to uh, get interred in a cemetery and um, they do not have the rights but it's in their family, they will have to prove to us that, okay, we have the right to be buried there. Um, and they will send us that. Sometimes it's in a will. They're granting them okay. everything else, and they will have to send me that. That portion is in our database, so we can go back and look. Yeah. Um, so when I started, of course, um, when I started the job, I was handed 22 boxes of bits and pieces of paper. <laughs> yes, and every time I would get a call for a burial, I would cross my fingers and pray that nobody was there when we dug. And then I thought okay this is not a good plan yeah this is not a good business plan I need something else but uh, that's how we started with the mapping and putting all of our mapping together and so the I'm curious about the ground penetrating radar then as well so, uh, how, when you say we how big is how big is we <laughs> is we you or do you have a staff um, there are only about uh, four of us yeah there's um, it's a small crew in the cemetery crew there's uh, three uh, full-time people that take care of you know the grounds and they go to all the tent cemeteries and they take care of all of that the grass cutting the burials everything uh, and there's a supervisor that looks after the cemeteries and uh, he uh, has taken the ground penetration radar course we have a, our own uh, machine own that does that yeah. um, on a small scale we do our own single grave so if somebody was getting buried we can take it out and do it big scale we will get a company to come in and do that right yeah hmm. yeah that's very interesting yeah so now um you were you were referencing how how as hamilton grew and it incorporated all these other communities and they acquired more and more cemeteries is that is that process happening like is it likely that you will acquire more 
rural cemeteries as Mississauga grows? Or Well, there is, we have 10 cemeteries. There is actually about 21 cemeteries in Mississauga. Okay. So those are private. You know, they're either run by a company um, or a church. And as cemeteries become abandoned, um, you know, they can't take care of it anymore, then they'll become ours. Okay. In 2015, we got Dixie Union, um, and that came to us with no mapping, no records. We're still trying to put all of that together. Um, and uh, there's others on the horizon that we know will come to us. Right. Yeah. Of the ones that you have now, do you have a favorite? Um, I would think that a Street Soul would be my favorite, uh, along with Arendelle, uh, because Street Soul was the first one that I spent a lot of time in, um, and we were doing uh, a lot of interments in. So I got used to that sort of the job because my job was uh, no, not, not only the historical aspect of it, but the actual selling of the lots. So I would get the calls from the funeral homes and set up uh, for the lots, you know, for someone to get buried. Uh, so that was my favorite. But then with Arendelle, when that came on, on board to us, um, it was handed over in a couple of boxes again with pieces of paper, little scraps of paper, like written on a napkin, sold a lot to so-and-so. And that was my first cemetery of having to put together all those little pieces separated out and getting straight in my head some sort of logical format of how I was going to do this. Because when you're faced with all those boxes, as you know, you're kind of, oh my God, how are we going to do this? So getting all of that straightened out and now we've got like the mapping, we've had the GPR done, we know who's in the lots, we did all the research. Hmm. And uh, it's like I know the people. Right. Because I've done the research and now I'm <laughs> yes. like, oh, that's, you know, so-and-so. And they're related to so-and-so. So now it's just like home. Yeah. I was I was mentioning to someone about the General Protestant Cemetery here. I've been doing some work there, research. And, and I feel like I have, there's 12,000 people buried there. And I feel like I have 12,000 new friends <laughs> and 12,000 new stories <laughs> to learn, you know. And, and, and that's what draws me, I think, to, to cemeteries. Is, is They are, as you said, they are open-air museums. They are places where these incredible stories are just waiting to be yes. to be shared, um, and I'm and I'm curious about about that business of then um, you you do the documentation work and mm-hmm. you, and you ensure that these cemeteries are maintained. Uh, what what kind of work then happens to kind of promote the historical aspect of of cemeteries? Uh, well, we're very lucky in the fact that we have a great partnership with Heritage Mississauga. So they promote the oral history part of that. We work closely with them. Um, There are some projects that we do. Uh, My passion is military history. Mm -hmm. Love that. And uh, last year we did a project um, to commemorate the 100th anniversary of Vimy. Okay. And uh, we had soldiers from um, World War I that were at Vimy, got killed at Vimy from Mississauga. And uh, we did a project, we did a mural, and uh, we invited the public to come and paint this mural, and it's been hung and, and to commemorate that. And Heritage Mississauga played a big role in that and helping promote that. But I feel those kind of projects promote the stories in the cemetery. Um, there were a couple that were actually buried in the cemetery, but most of them were memorialized on family headstones. Yes, so yeah. we were able to make that connection. And this year we're doing a project called Remember 1111. 
and it's a year-long project and it's to commemorate the end of uh, World War One, the hundredth anniversary and again we're making the connections to the soldiers in the cemetery and we're painting poppies on reclaimed wood um, we have a nasty little bug called emerald ash borer in uh, Ontario and uh, it's infested a number of trees and all the ash trees had to come out right so we reclaimed the wood and cut them into what we call cookies around circles and we're painting poppies and we've invited the community it's an amazing project our goal was to paint 1111 and we went way past that oh wow July, uh, July 1st we yeah. hit that mark um, so it is a project that resonated with the community all different kinds of groups now we're doing getting into the school groups but it also made that connection to the cemetery um, in November we're doing um, one giant size poppy out of all the poppies and then we're taking them and placing them on veterans graves in the cemeteries so we're gonna go full circle yeah with that yeah interesting um, do, are there are there cemetery tours in, in at all in, in Mississauga um, we do what's called the uh, and it's uh, heritage Mississauga yep. is um, the forerunner for this it's called a haunted Mississauga and uh, they do different things, but cemeteries are their favorite, and uh, we've done a number of cemetery tours, and I think it's much like the ones here where you dress in costume. And I always volunteer to be a person in there, <laughs> and you become that person, and you tell their story, yeah. uh, which I think is another great way. It, it's in no way of uh, demeaning or anything of the person that's buried there, but telling their story of how they lived. Uh, we usually have a theme, Last year's theme was Confederation. Um, do, you know, 1867 was the Confederation, and they did a whole story around that and how people were involved and they were on opposite sides, even families, and uh, told that story. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the questions I wanted to ask about is about uh, the, the conservation aspect of, of cemeteries. Um, you, the, the stones themselves, the markers, uh, I think sometimes people think, oh, that's a permanent memorial to someone. But even stone is ne never as permanent as we like to, to mm -hmm. think it is. Uh, is that an issue? Do you, do you have a lot of um, uh, work that you need to do on, on the conservation of stones? Yes. Um, every two years, we go through all the cemeteries and we do an inspection. So not only on the older stones, but on the newer stones mm -hmm. too that come in. We, you know, we want to make sure they're all sealed and they're stable. We don't want a stone falling on someone. All the older stones, we rate them from a priority. If it's an older stone that's uh, cracked and, and needs fixing, if it's going to fall on someone, that's a priority one. Uh, if it's laying down and cracked, it'll be a priority two. And uh, we are now into our priority fours which is just the little ones. So we go through and we fix all those. Uh, we make a budget every year. We allocate so much money for that and go through and fix them. Yeah. And then do you contract that out? Do you have a, a yes. conservator that yeah. comes in and does that work? Yes. Yeah. 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 The older stones are, um, I find, I've seen places where they've done the pins and they've tried to put the burrs on yeah. them and all of this, but that rusts and uh, not r good. You know, we're uh, sandstone and limestone, that's, that sort of stone, and uh, those don't bode well. Yeah, 
Yeah, I've seen some unfortunate uh, interventions on historic uh, uh, markers. And I think sometimes here anyway in the province that's been done by family members who, who, yes. who very much mean well, who want to preserve their family's legacy but don't really have a background in conservation of stone. And so we see things like pinning and then there's rusting and further breakage or stones that are set in concrete that, that breaks. And yeah, yeah. We've, we've had a number that, uh, and it was a great project. And I can, I always want to say, oh, like I saw what they were trying to do. Yeah. They were trying to save them all and put them together in a wall. And they, in one cemetery, they gathered them up, they put them in the wall. And now the wall is just concrete with no, and the water seeped in. Uh, but one, once again, they're no longer marking a grave right so they're not markers and we have no idea so somebody said take them out of the wall and put them back but we have no idea where the people are and where they took them because they didn't mark them at the time yeah yeah so that's another issue and the stones that are in many of your cemeteries were were they uh, carved locally were there local carving companies that were doing that work in the say, say the 19th 19th century yes yeah. yeah there was uh, we can see on the bottom as on the back now I don't know if you've looked at modern day headstones because um, when people ask me oh we'd like to get a headstone I say well take a look around the cemetery <laughs> and you see one you like on the back Here's is your catalog, the little yeah, yeah <laughs> there yeah. you go and you can have it um, and the older ones sometimes it's in the ground you know the older stones are way down but they always put the carving in there yeah on the front of what company it was and uh, I've tried to trace some of those and uh, no luck though yeah they interesting long gone yeah, long gone, yeah. Um, it's something that I've become increasingly more interested in are, are some of those early carvers here in here in St. John's in particular um, and some of them were carvers that kind of came and went but but you know some of those companies lasted a long time and mm -hmm. and uh, it's interesting to see you know which of the companies that have lasted and it's kind of a really it's a it's an understudied part I think of our cemetery heritage and beautiful yeah these stones are gorgeous with uh, you know some of the carvings that are on there as I said on Fishing Island I saw some of the the carvings of the trees and the prayers and the crosses in them they're just beautiful and what I like about the old stones is uh, they give a lot of information they'll say you know uh, a name a date where they were from a native of County Kilkenny Ireland I mean you go to the cemetery and get your genealogy yeah, from a great resource for family <laughs> yeah. history yeah absolutely yeah. Um, well, I feel like we could go on uh, forever, but one of the things I wanted to talk about, because we mentioned at the beginning, were cenotaphs. Yes. Do cenotaphs fall under your purview as well? Um, the city of Mississauga, this, the corporation, has three cenotaphs that uh, fall under us, uh, Port Credit, Streetsville, and Malton. And um, each of them are completely different. And at one point, there was the Mississauga was all these little communities that came together to make the city. And uh, so they were part of each of those communities. Um, the one that Poor Credit, it's the Poor Credit Cenotaph, the one that that sits in, uh, we uh, renamed the park that it sits in last year to Vimy Park. So now that sits in Vimy Park. Um, and it has uh, all the names from World War One, World War Two, Korean War. And uh, Streetsville has uh, World War One and Two. And uh, Malton doesn't have any names, it just has, you know, it's designated for um, 
those who served. Okay. We're getting close to the end of our, our time here. Uh, if, if people are uh, listening in and they want to find more information, uh, wh- where can they go? If they're interested in, in cemeteries and burial records, where, where would you send them if they were looking for family history work in, uh, in the Mississauga area? If they were looking for, um, in Mississauga area, I would say Heritage Mississauga. Okay. Um, that's your, you know, first, there's a, a Peel Archives. Uh, with the city of Mississauga, we have, our library system has the Canadiana Room. Uh, it's uh, an incredible resource for information in Ontario. Um, for um, anything else, there is the Ontario Archives. Uh, which has another piece of information. Finding information in Ontario is a lot easier than finding it when you come here. <laughs> it, it's a lot of legwork here, yeah. and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> but uh, it's not, um, a lot of the records for Newfoundland are not online. You have to do that legwork and, and come here. And uh, with there, it's uh, a bit different. You have a lot of the information online, and I guess because the Ontario Archives have... Uh, done a lot of work in getting that online well that just means you have to keep coming back yes (laughs) i will i will well thank you for coming on the show thank you so much dale it's been a pleasure i'm dale jarvis you've been listening to living heritage a production of chmr radio 93.5 in collaboration with the intangible cultural heritage office of the heritage foundation of newfoundland and labrador Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our production assistant is Tara Barrett. We would love to know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page or tweet us at HFNLCA. Thanks for listening.